Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. That is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, Lavender Gooms. What's up? Also with me this week, Kid Presentable. We in this, as the kids say. Also joining us this week, he's really here just whenever he feels like it, once a month, maybe at most, DJ Mark. Howdy, because Mike took my spot and the one thing I say every time we do the show. So I was like, <laughs> oh man, I got nothing now, I got nothing. <laughs> well, when you're in the number one spot, you got to you gotta say what the number one guy says. Yeah, it's just no, a roll. You, you got the script. Just threw me off. I was like, shit, that's that's my go-to. I got nothing else. Like, Howdy. All right, let's go for it. Mike saw the script for parts. That's our mark and said, I, I, this is me. I, I do this now. Um, he did a great job. Oh, no inflection. Very flat. That's exactly just, how I do it. <laughs> I lobbed it and Mike just home run. Um, all right, boys and girls. We, uh, we talked about it last week. How many new champions were we going to see? Were we going to see one? Were we going to see two? Nobody thought we were going to see three. Um, turns out the Karanga answer is one, and it could have been none if, and folks, it's going to get confusing today with Yawn and Yawn. If Peter Yawn didn't pull some of the dumbest, didn't pull possibly the dumbest move in UFC championship fight history. Um, but let's get into it because, Marcus, we thought we were going to have ourselves, I mean, three of us picked we we're going to have a double champion. Stefan kept driving that uh, Blahovich train. Um, you know, all the way to, to victory this week because uh, Jan Blahovich held on to that light heavyweight crown this week through fucking some grit and determination, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, got to give credit where credit's due. Stefan picked all of them right. I did not think he was going to be right when he was some of the picks he made, but he he nailed it this week. Um, and, and one of the biggest picks uh Steph had was was Jan beating Izzy. Uh, obviously the matchmakers had Izzy winning. There's just a ton of hype around this guy. Obviously. I think throughout the sport, there have definitely been some fighters that have garnered this kind of hysteria around them, this aura of them being kind of unbeatable or you know being extremely difficult to match up against. Um, and Izzy was turning out to be one of those guys, and Jan really put a stop to that in this fight. Um, to break down the fight of itself, um, you know, I think a lot of people have talked about the how it was scored. Um, basically, I think the masses kind of had it be two-two going into the fifth round. Um, Izzy and Jan in the first couple rounds were very close. Um, I had Izzy pulling away just slightly in the first. I thought Jan did a good job in the second, uh, fighting against the narrative that Joe Rogan played, saying that he wasn't doing well on the outside when there was literally a graphic in the corner while he was saying that with the numbers, Jan doing better than Izzy in that round, which was very, it's like, all right, you're really fighting DC on this narrative, and there's factual facts right there in the corner disproving your point. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway in what Jan was able to do to really solidify this fight was in the fourth and fifth round, he got those takedowns. Not only was he successful in taking Izzy down, but he was able to completely hold him down. I don't think Izzy made one escape, which I, I do find kind of funny. I don't know if you guys watched Izzy and Ariel had a like a pretty long interview before this fight. And Izzy said something that kind of made me think like, I didn't want to read too much into it, but I was just like, that's kind of a silly thing to say. Because he was talking about how he might eventually go up to heavyweight. And he's like, you know, weight matters. And at some point, you know, if I had a 300 pound guy on me, it's going to be tough. You know, I can't bench press 300 pounds off me if someone's on top of me. And I was like, Izzy, like, there's no jujitsu escape where you're bench pressing any dude. <laughs> like, it's called leverage and technique. That's how you get outside of someone on top of you. He didn't show a lot of that in the fight. I didn't read too much into that, but I didn't notice that when he said that. I was like, okay, he's not working on getting up a lot, I guess, if he's thinking, like, I need to bench press these dudes. Yeah, Marcus, um, he does, wasn't doing a lot on bottom, but it also felt like Jan wasn't able to do as much either on top, right? It seemed like more of a positional thing. He was getting a little off, but... It wasn't a ton of work, really, from either one of them being successful on there down there, right? I I, th I think really was I I think Yaw made the correct choice in getting the fight to the ground and holding him down was more than enough he needed to win those rounds. And why you know advanced position and potentially risk you know um, having uh, Izzy get up and escape and having to you know ha having that 
takedown not mean as much if you can take a guy down and then ground him for the rest of the round and I think Jan did a good job with ground and pound, but you're right. He wasn't advancing positions. He wasn't getting into mount until the very end of the fight and really laying on heavy ground and pound. He was mostly controlling Izzy and, you know, putting in some decent ground and pound and basically making it so the referee wouldn't stand them back up. Um, outside of that, you know, I think Jan did a really good job in the stand-up. A lot of people were saying, like Joke said, like Izzy's getting the better of it. And I think he was right there tit for tat. And then he started getting better in the punching exchanges because... What Jan was doing, and they were talking about him biting on feints, like, he he would bite on a lot of feints, but his biting on feints was, like, defending everything. Hands up, elbows in, knees up to check any kicks. Like, he's biting on feints, but he's not leaving openings. And that's what you use feints for. You, you feint a guy into thinking you're doing a jab and you set up a kick. Or you think you're going to set up a kick and you go for a punch. It's, it's to confuse your opponent, but when your opponent's just guarding up and not letting punches get in, that's not the worst thing in the world. And I think Jan did a great job checking kicks. And that's something I wish I thought of when we were analyzing the fight last time. Because when he fought Luke Rockhold, Luke's whole game was about blasting dudes with heavy kicks. And Jan didn't give a fuck in that fight. He didn't give a fuck in this fight. He would eat those kicks, check them, not sustain a lot of damage. And then in the stand-up and the punching exchanges, what Jan does really well is he goes forward a lot. He gets in the pocket. And with Izzy, especially with the middleweight guys, they tend to overextend when they try to hit him, and he's able just to lean back and dodge punches. When Jan got right in his face and he threw a jab, and Izzy tried to lean back, he ate the jab. He ate straights um, because his defenses against a guy that was, you know, kind of the same physical abilities or the physical, you know, length that um, he is, he wasn't ready for. So, you know, I, I think Izzy definitely felt some things in this fight that he hadn't seen in other fighters at middleweight. Obviously, I think the weight discrepancy definitely played into Jan uh, hand. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a such a bad performance where everyone, I think there's a lot of narrative about like Izzy being overhyped and not being as good as he want as as we thought he was. I don't think that's completely accurate. I think he just ran up against a guy that a lot of us, you know, except for Steph, you know, haven't been giving as much respect as as I think he's garnered over his last couple performances. Mike, um, Mark kind of let us into that right there. Did you come out of this thinking any less of Izzy, I guess, you know, as middleweight champion? Because that's what his, you know, I guess day job is. Did you come out of this thinking, you know, maybe this, I mean, I guess, did you think maybe, okay, maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit on where we're going with him? Or did you just... More so come out of this with a positive thoughts about Jan. No, not at all. This didn't decrease my estimation of Izzy at all. It's reminiscent of when Max Holloway went up to 155 to fight for the IC title against Dustin Poirier. He's one of the best 145ers in the world, but some of the, tr some of the power doesn't translate when you're 10 pounds heavier. And, you know, you're fighting kind of bigger guys. In this case, this is an extra 20 pounds. And Jan going into the fight may weighed maybe 20, 25 pounds more. Shots that with other people that Izzy was landing would have done a lot more damage at 185. It just wasn't affecting Jan Blakowicz, but I guess I'm just calling him Jan. We're, I'm we're call just him calling Jan everybody B. the wrong just name, man. affecting Jan B. We're calling people the wrong name left and right, man. We're calling, I was calling, I'm calling him Cyril Gane, you know, Blakowicz. Welcome to my world. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just saying, we're just all over the place. Like, it's Jan Blahovich, I guess. But, yeah, um, but Jan, man, Jan went out there, Steph. You picked him. Um, where are we going now, buddy? Um, I was talking to Mark about this la uh, earlier today. I, th I think it was early today. I'm losing track of time. About how we got Glover at light heavyweight. Middleweight, we got Izzy having beaten everybody. Where are we going now? Where, where's, where's, I mean, we know the UFC doesn't really look past next week. But where are we going with these divisions? <laughs> it, it probably gets a little bit boring now. We just move back to next in line. Glover is probably up next. A not necessarily compelling Robert Whitaker is possibly on deck for Izzy, but it's good because gets his mojo back, right? Um, you know, to 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 you know what Mike was saying about Izzy is like I think Izzy beats most light heavyweights. And to what Mark said, Jan, people just gotta put respect on this guy's name now. He's really, really good. It's not that Izzy had a problem with light heavyweight. It's that Izzy ran into the guy who is the top of the division, and deservedly so. So that's all it was there, I think. Um, you know, it, it was really fun. It's, it's, it's kind of, I think this fight ended up being what we hoped. Um, the fight with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Wine Dick. Uh, 
Oh, that guy. He, he's too drunk on wine. Paulo Costa. Come on, you guys know the Paulo, Paulo Costa. Yeah. Costa. There Bola he is. Chinia. Um, <laughs> So you know, no, nothing lost there. I, I, but I think that's it. We're just going to move on to next in line. It'll it'll get a little bit more boring, a little bit more predictable. But those guys deserve their re- or rematches or chances as well. Mike, uh, you wanted to get in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steph mentioned that it might be either Apollo Costa or or Whitaker up next. But if anything, I wrote down earlier today two people I think might be next up for for Adesanya and. One of them is one that Adesanya actually, I think, mentioned in his interview with Ariel last week and is possibly Darren Till. Darren Till only has one. Uh, hear me out. Darren Till only has one win right I'm now. Sorry, this is, a, this is the audio medium, and I just made a face when Mike said Darren Till. I apologize for interrupting you, but go he, ahead, Mike. He visibly winced like he smelled <sighs> a ripe fart. But Darren Till, sure, he only has one win um, so far, but... He's he's a name, and this might be born from just lack of possible competitors for Izzy at the moment. And I recognize that, but he's a name. Izzy wants to fight him. It would be an interesting style. So that it, it, fight is coming up soon. So might, maybe that's it. But but what's interesting about that too is Till's going to fight Marvin Vitari. Vitari. Sorry, yeah. That's that's the dark horse in all of this. To it, be honest, and and that's and that, and I think that I think what's interesting in middleweight right now is there is a lot of matchups that are happening soon that are going to maybe clear up this picture a little bit more. Um, and, and I do think, just despite Bobby's face about Darren Till. Izzy's excited about that. And I think maybe the fans would get excited, even though like I, I'm kind of with Bobby, like he hasn't Till hasn't really expressed himself to such an extent that I find that matchup really exciting. But I do find Marvin really exciting because they did fight and Marvin grounded his ass on the third round and won that. And I think he's held that this whole time. And he's like, I know I can beat this guy. I know I can beat him because I got him tired in the third round and I dominated that third round. Yeah, because that remember that fight happened. And Izzy lost the third round, and we're like, oh, this guy can't grapple or something. Was, we, the assumption wasn't that Marvin was good on any level. Remember? It was that, mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess Izzy can't grapple. Then Izzy started beating wrestlers' asses. And we're right. like, oh, Izzy's gotten so much better. We didn't consider the and, possibility uh, that this guy's great. <laughs> Marvin's also been doing really good. Absolutely. He's been on a fucking run himself, and that's why he's earned this spot against Darren Till. So we, we don't I, think, I think – Sorry, I apologize. Go ahead. No, I, I think there's some interesting matchups, and I think over the course of the next month or so – you know, the the playing field is going to get leveled a little bit. We're going to have Whitaker and Costa fight. There's going to be Till and Marvin fighting. And I think there's even one other fight. Like, isn't Brunson fighting somebody coming up here? So there's some interesting Kevin stuff Holland, happening. Kevin I but, believe, is the fight. Right. And, and yeah, Kevin Hall, another guy. It's, he's kind of becoming undeniable. If he gets another big win, like, how can you deny this guy? He's had, like, you know, we talked about in the um, year-end review. He's had a fantastic year. So I, I do agree with Steph overall, like, this was the big exciting fight. Having Izzy move up to, to 205 and challenge Jan was very exciting and intriguing. And now that this that dust has settled, he's going back to 185 and the landscape isn't super compelling. But given how these next matchups might play, if Whitaker looks great or Till looks great, we might get more excited. Yeah, I mean, this is very much a BJ Penn after losing to George St. Pierre. Though BJ got his ass kicked by George St. Pierre. But you go back down to your weight class, you show you're the best of that weight class still. You show you're on a different level. And BJ was able to go down... Beat Diego Sanchez's ass still in my one of my favorite one-sided title fights ever uh, to show he was the man at the, the right weight class. So we'll see what Izzy does. Yeah, and and just, and just to cap off this whole thing, I think Izzy was exciting because he was undefeated, and we we all clamp onto these these guys that potentially could be the greatest of all time because they've undefeated record. But what we've seen throughout the sport even more is that don't ever sleep on these guys. And the community does it all the time. You lose a fight and your your garbage, all your hype was diminished. But we've seen so many fighters. There's a maturity and a veteranness that you get throughout going throughout this sport that we've seen guys like Jan who we didn't think much of and then got really good. So, you know, just because Izzy had one bump in the road doesn't mean his greatness will be deterred. I think he still, he has a long road ahead of him and potentially can do really amazing things. Yeah, and you know what, man? We got to give credit to guys who move up, champions who move up the challenge for a title. And even if you don't get it, man, George St. Pierre never moved up. I mean, George St. Pierre did eventually. It took 15 yeah. fucking years. But, like, and like, you know, Khabib never moved up. Um, and like you know. Mike said, it, this is 20 pounds. All the other divisions are 10-pound adjustment between two. And this is 20. It, it's, a big, it's a big deal. And we haven't seen a middleweight go up to light heavyweight and, and have both titles. So, is he, he shot for the stars. He didn't quite get it this time. But yeah. I wouldn't close the book on him yet. Props to the man. All right. Uh, moving along here. We're going to – I mean, normally we'd give Amanda Nunez – 
more time here, but given the length of what happened, the length of the amount of stuff that happened this past weekend at this card, we're going to have to go through this real quickly. Amanda Nunez justified the betting line on every level. I mean, uh, Mike, what else do you say? It's just, it was minus 1,400, and she beat her ass in two minutes, and it looked like Megan Anderson saw a ghost when she was walking out. Hot knife through butter doesn't quite describe this fight. Yeah. That was Mark. What was that like? A what's the name of what she did? It looked like a reverse triangle with an arm bar somehow. Going it was on. very weird. It was like an inverted triangle, um, and it almost just seemed like <laughs> Megan was just like, "I'm out. I'm done." You're like this thing. I didn't look like it was so tight when she was like passing out, but she's like, she's got my arm. She's got me tangled up here. I just got you that, know that one is bad. Just as knocked possible. out of her. Yeah, I mean, and I think to just just to sprinkle a little thing on Amanda. You know, these are the fights that you expect them to run right through. And sometimes that's hard to meet those expectations, but she's done it, which is equally as impressive as just as maintaining those belts. So good on her. Yeah, and people apparently, she's apparently scared to fight Juliana Pena, which is a thing Juliana Pena believes in her mind. Look, Amanda wants to get some light work in. She can get on that card uh, in two months with Rose, Whaley, Valentina, and Jessica Andrade. They can go three female title fights. She really wants to get another one in. Just throwing that out there. That would be tight. That would be that'd be sick. Three female in title all fights. female title fight thing. That would be fucking. And Mike badass, would cry but... though, man. Mike, Mike, God bless you, man. You you were so happy that Amanda put that away quickly. That card was already long. <laughs> I mean, if that if that fight went a little longer, whoo, that would have been rough. As as I get older, these fight cards has become more and more brutal. Yeah, Mike. I mean, as like, I mean. You got to appreciate Jan ending it early somewhere. Peter, Jan ending it early somewhere or another, man. You got to end anyway, <laughs> I didn't, man. God bless Amanda. God bless Peter Jan for ending this fight relatively early. Peter Jan eh, probably wishes he had gone to decision. Yeah, okay. Um, Peter Jan, Aljamain Sterling. Peter Jan. Okay, the scorecards. It looked like we had two judges who had Peter Jan. This is the fourth round we're getting to here. Peter Jan was up two to one on two scorecards. Aljamain Sterling was up two to one on one scorecard. All those those scores all made relative amount of sense to people, quite frankly. Um, looked like Aljamain Sterling's plan was to just put a pace on Peter Yawn, and hopefully Peter Yawn was going to welt. And then we got to the third, late third round, fourth round. It looked like uh, Aljamain, for lack of a better term, was fucked because he was looking more and more exhausted. Um, Stefan, the fourth round's happening. Aljamain Sterling's on the ground on a knee. For a real amount, for a significant amount of time there, and Peter Jan uncorks the dumbest decision and knee in UFC title fight history, right there. I mean, much like a surprise when we got CNN news weather correspondent BJ Penn, we had sudden uh, translator Khabib Nurmagomedov coming in with the Russian translation of "I heard the corner say." Uh, he asked his corner, "Can I hit him?" And the corner said, "Yes, go for it." Um, and as you said. Anyone who knows anything about what happened this card, this this was the big story of the whole card, right? An illegal knee resulting in the changing of a title. Um, it was bad. I mean, I think one of the big circulating images I saw on Reddit was uh, it was is it was scenes from uh, from Peter Yan's corner, and it was a picture of John Kreese and Cobra Kai or circa the original Karate one. Kid. That was a good um, one <laughs> because. Yeah, it, it's pretty. It was. It was clear. It's not the. It's not even the questionable. He's reaching down and touching his hands. Dude's on his knee. He's as grounded as grounded can be. Um, you know. So it, it was just a really bad look. It's like, I know Peter's in the moment. I don't feel like he had a bad. He, they were in the center of the cage. He wasn't like he was pressed against the fence where he doesn't have an angle, right? Um. Yeah. What's up, Bob? Stefan, I honestly, I thought I didn't know the rules. It was so blatant. Like there was a brief moment where I'm like, wait. Was do I not know the rules? Is that okay? Because I was like, it was so blatantly. I'm like, I'm like, surely he's not gonna knee him, and he did. I'm like, wait, wait, that's not okay, right? We're all agreeing this isn't okay. That's how bad it was, bro. It, it was bad. Um, so you know that that's it. Like, what else can you say? I it, it seems pretty fair. We're gonna get an immediate rematch. Um, you know, once the the medicals clear, it'll get rebooked. Um, because it's very unset finished business. I will say, Bob, because I was kind of surprised that um. Some people were okay with uh, Aljo maybe being up 2-1. I thought Aljo looked bad. Um, he was a more skilled version of what I thought Derek Lewis was. He was frantic. His footwork was messy. His spinning shots he was throwing, they were just kind of there for the sake of it. He was shooting really half-hearted um, and really telegraphed takedown attempts. I think they were so half-hearted that I think 
I saw uh, Peter was 16 of 17 on takedown defense. He was panicking as time went on too, almost. It looked like like. that's what I mean. So it's like you can say he was putting on a pace if you're optimistic. I mean, that was a strategy. I say, I think it was, but to me, it just looked frantic. Like it didn't look measured. And that's why every time Peter countered, it's like, oh, this guy looks like the champion. Like I was, you know, I, I said in our group, I'm like, oh no, it was all hype with Aljo kind of referencing that kind of in joke that we I've done over and over again. But that's what it looked. It looked like you're not the guy that I thought was the number one ranked guy. Like it, he, I, it, I thought the moment was getting to him, to be honest. It looked like, honestly, as from the get word go, it looked like the moment was getting to him. I want to just say this. The people who thought the title shouldn't change hands on a disqualification. I mean, this isn't pro wrestling. Like what, what the fuck people like you bla- he blatantly cheated and de- got DQ'd. There's no argument for him keeping the championship. What, what, what people need to like, let the thoughts swirl around in your head a little bit here. Like what? I mean, he was, a, he was winning, but like, let's say you weren't winning. Okay. I'm gonna start st- kicking people in the dick. West Sim style or, you know, and start cheating blatantly in fights. Like you never lose the title. Like. Peter Yon deserved to lose a championship, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna say, like, I kind of felt, and I don't know what the rules are. I think this is how it played out according to like their rules or whatever. I think it should have been a like a no contest or something. It, Peter should definitely not get the belt. He should at the end of this, he definitely gets stripped or whatever. I think where it gets a little weird is Sterling has the belt. <laughs> and I think what gets it worse is that he's posing after the fight with like he, they're all celebrating and stuff. And I think that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Cause I think Sterling in the moment played it right. And I think some of the social media stuff after kind of made it messy. Like I, I got to this w- with the no contest. I can understand if it was something that seemed accidental. It, yeah. If it was one of those situations where we've seen with the, uh, with the grounded opponent where it looks like the guy is either about like literally about to get up or just by like the skin of like his skin. That made no sense. By the skin of his teeth, he's a downed opponent, right? Where it was like, it was a pure accident, unintentional, well, shit. Like, you can't blame the guy, right? In this case, Aljo couldn't have been a more grounded opponent. Sure, he could have. Sure, he could have. He could have been on elbows and knees. I was going to hyperbole. Of course, he could have been more grounded. He could have been looking up like a little baby, and he could have stomped him on the face. But it was egregious. No no question there. Outside of looking looking up like a baby, he couldn't have been a more grounded opponent. That's why the rules are there, so that people don't do stupid shit like that. Yeah, and look, this is not the time for the knees to a grounded opponent should be allowed argument. That's cool. That's a fine argument to make in terms of, like, we should change these rules. However, the rules you all agreed to that evening was for you not to need a motherfucker. And my thing, and this is, no one's talking about this, and I will fucking will. What was this bullshit where, the like, the referee and the doctor are looking at each other like, should we call it off? Should we not call it off? Aljo didn't know where he was, quite frankly. And then the UFC's like, no, no, Aljo has to talk to Joe Rogan. And I'm like, why isn't he talking to a doctor now? And then Joe Rogan has to be like, okay, they're telling me to wrap it up so you can go talk to a doctor. I'm like, yeah, because you got a fucking concussion. What, why are we asking him to explain anything right now? Like, I didn't – the whole way it was handled – and that's one of those things sometimes where I'm like, well, this is a fucking clown show sport we watch, man, sometimes. The whole thing I thought was nonsense, personally. Um, media title, rematch makes sense. Henry Cejudo's trying to get clout because – Henry Cejudo thought he was going to retire and somebody's going to retire. Somebody's going to pay him to come back and it's not happening. He's going to fight. It's going to be Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling too. It's going to happen. Another prediction I called right is no one would care about Henry Cejudo leaving the sport. Yeah, Henry should come back just so he can get a job while well, he's still young enough and probably the best man, you know, flyweight in the world, maybe. Come back. Um, okay. Cup, any quick hits you guys want to go with from this car before we move on to some regular news that we got this week? Um, I got one that's kind of ridiculous. And I hope people recognize that Dominic Cruz might have something wrong with him. Because last fight, we had Dominic Cruz questioning uh, about the the referee who smells like cigarettes and a, and a stripper. I think it was a strip club and, a, and cigarettes was what he said about Keith Peterson and was drunk. This time, Dominic Cruz won a fight. He needed to win. The championship for the weight class he's in is being defended later that evening. TJ Dillashaw's coming back from injury, from a suspension. 
There's all this shit going on, and Dominic Cruz got this win, and he decided to call out the employee of an of a energy drink company. So we should all look into what's going on. I think there needs to be a little moment to recognize how weird that fucking was. Uh, Mike, you got something? People are uh, they're looking for easy Ws, Bobby. Yeah. That's all it is. Uh, ben Folks made me laugh because Ben Folks is like, I, he, he called because Dominic Cross called out Hans Molenkamp, and Ben Folks is like, I couldn't have been the first guy who thought he called out the guy from The Simpsons. He's like, I couldn't have been the only guy who did that. My God. Hans Molenkamp uh, is very close to Hans Molenkamp. Yeah, it's right There's there, man. There's a lot man. of similar <laughs> syllables right there. Mike. In in the moment that he was having that press con that uh, that post fight, you were away yeah. from the uh, from our Zoom call, Bobby, mm -hmm. and I was half paying attention. I heard a very foreign name he said, but I, it didn't really register. And Phil asked me, "Hey, what name did he just say?" And I told Phil, "I don't know. It may have been that dictator that Bobby hates. I'm not sure." <laughs> that was that so been better. fucking weird. Um, anything else you guys got from UFC 259 before we? Uh... Go on. Um, it made the rounds, so I'll just touch on it. The Tim Elliott stuff, Jordan Espinosa, that was weird. I think that's weird form. Um, you know, I, when it comes to domestic abuse stuff, I... Well, why don't you tell people what I'll, happened there, actually? That one was a little yeah, bit early, you, early prelim. So, yeah, if you didn't see it, is Tim Elliott, who kind of won very thoroughly over Jordan Espinosa, while dominating him on the ground, started talking to him. And he said, so in 2018, I hear you like to choke women, you know? And... Jordan Espinosa very awkwardly replies, you don't know the full story, which everyone says, like, well, that doesn't sound like you're innocent either. <laughs> but it's just a weird thing to bring up. One, it's not a hard conviction. Like I said, I usually, in these instances, I believe you always want to listen to the women, the victims in the matter. But in the middle of a fight, that's weird. I understand war games. That's a weird thing to touch in. He started pouring his blood into uh, Espinosa's eyes later into the match, too. Like, there was a lot of, like... Tim Elliott, like I understand gamesmanship in warfare, but you're kind of you're doing you're doing the most, guy. I mean, I'm, I'm a Tim Elliott fan, quite frankly. I'm a big fan of the general lanky grappling-based offense he puts a lot of times on there. But I'm like, that was a that was an interesting turn. Like Tim decided he was the Punisher that evening. <laughs> like it was an odd choice. Um, UFC 259, the UFC returns to pay per view in three fucking weeks. Um, with UFC 260, which. If we're listening to the UFC, might they might be the ones to open up full attendance events in Texas, which this podcast is not long enough for the rant I want to go into about that. So um, I think that's Stipe and Francis Ngannou, if I'm not mistaken. But until that time, the UFC is going to force us to watch fight cards that are worth our uh, that about uh, ten percent of the fight cards are worth our attention. We'll talk about the one next weekend shortly. But first off, a um, couple news bites that happened. Uh, this week um we talked about him getting cut a long time ago actually we talked about it when the first the ufc said they were going to start an out cutting people and not that we're advocating people losing their jobs but i do remember us saying junior dos santos isn't going to make this round uh is going to isn't going to survive this and junior dos santos didn't survive it and alistair overeem didn't survive it it sounded like junior dos santos also didn't survive it because he turned down a fight um which mark it, it's is it sad that I say I'm not surprised like at this point? No, I mean, it, I I think it's it's a couple of things. Like these guys are getting older, you know. They're I, I think mostly I think probably what the biggest thing is like they command a big paycheck, and I don't think they're drawing as high as the UFC sees fit. And I I think at least for me with Overeem, I'm kind of glad they didn't you know fulfill his contract because I don't need. I think they should see the writing on the wall as much as we have, um, and just kind of like you know let let these guys go. Um. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Reem. I think Bobby mentioned earlier this week, right, about Ryzen is interested in him. I wouldn't not be surprised at all if we see him in Bellator because he has, you know, him and Scott Coker have done business before. So, um, and, and, and if JDS wants to fight, I think there's lots of, you know, companies that would be interested in picking up either of those guys. I kind of hope they 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 both hang it up in, in fine greener pastures somewhere else, but they're also two guys that I don't know what else they have to, to verge into. You know, I don't know if... Overeem's got some uh, real estate business or if JDS has a gym opening up, but I think these guys are just fighters Ma and fighters through. So I, I imagine we will see them somewhere else. Mike, what you got here, buddy? Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. You know what you want to see from Overeem. Get him get roided up. That is a very toxic cocktail for Reem because what it reminds me of is uh, Gary Goodridge. 
because Gary Goodridge fought overseas way too long, and it's probably because they didn't test him, and he could you know use performance enhancing drugs, and it probably gave him this false sense of worth and ability that he's like, I can still do K one, I could still compete with these guys when he really couldn't. And it's probably because, you know, he was able to utilize these drugs to make himself feel like I can get back in the gym. I can put in the rounds. I can still compete at this high level. But the brain wasn't there. And we've seen it with Reem. Like, he's yeah. been taking some really hard shots. So I hope hope that's not the case. But, Mike, I would not be surprised if we see him in Ryzen and we see Uberim back. But I don't think he'll be what he once was. And I hope well, Saki Gabara, sustain a lot of Saki Gabara did say that he's interested. I mean, that's the guy still running Ryzen, right? I mean, I like how we just... We're all just trying to get a 20-year-old to get a time machine back to, like, 2003 in MMA, man. It's great. I, like, ju <laughs> I just want to say that I saw one of Miracle Crow Cop's last fights when I was still in Japan. Sure, that was after good. he got dropped from the UFC. He looked beautiful. He was fast. He was quick. It was as if there was something different about him. It was great. <laughs> um, I think we got to keep an eye out when we mention guys, where these guys might go. I think PFL is becoming more of a player. We're hearing the name more. Yeah. They, I mean, this isn't on the level of those two guys, but I saw they picked up Carlos Jr. the other day. Um, they got Tom Lawler over there. They got Rory McDonald. There's some stuff happening in PFL. I mean, I think they actually got a, I think they got a bunch of VC investments recently. I think I saw mm -hmm. they got some money coming in. They're trying to get, you know, they they cut Ali Abdulaziz away from being essentially using the thing as his piggy bank. Um, Just reminds me of the me seeks. Like he's trying. <laughs> <laughs> PFL, they're trying, baby. They're making moves. <laughs> Bobby, you just tell me who's got a belt, and and Overeem will come out to play. You tell you should you you hold a belt in front of that man. He's like well, I mean, we're not I'll mentioning one F one, and who's got a who's is now on TNT in a couple weeks here, sure. and I think is Brandon Vera still the heavyweight champion? I can't imagine he is. Brandon Vera got so big. Ago. Brandon Vera got so big in in one. Brandon Vera lived up to his potential. We all wanted twenty years, fifteen years ago in one. Um, what else we got this week? Um. We already mentioned Henry Cejudo being a moron. Um, Stefan, you want to add another moron to the list? Yeah, because Stefan mentioned this in the chat, and I was like, I didn't know this guy said something moronic. Oh, so Stephon, I, I had to me. Google this it, and news. I had to get disappointed. Yeah, I uh, the the Cody Garbrandt story. It wasn't disappointing mm -hmm. as much as I was just like, it wasn't disappointed to him as much as I was like, this fucking sport. But go ahead. Stephon. So uh, for context, it's not so much that it happened; it's who Cody Garbrandt is and what his situation has been in the past year. Um, Cody Garbrandt, who is a former champion, you might be wondering, where has he been? How come he isn't fighting? Well, this is a guy who has suffered long-term COVID repercussions. Um, he, I guess he's had some health issues in the past. Um, and kind of like more recently, uh, Chimeyev, who's been in the news, you know, not every, there's a high survival rate, but it doesn't mean everyone bounces back from this thing unscathed. There's a lot of lingering issues that are damaging and could end your thing. And Cody's been a victim of that, and that's why we haven't heard about him being booked. He's not really calling anyone out because he's had a lot of things he's had to fight past. But uh, his family had a flight, and not unsurprisingly, his two-year-old did not want to comply with the mask policy. Um, it's hard, children that age, right? But flying on a commercial airline is not a right. It is a privilege. Um, and if your child can't comply, it's not really the airline's fault that their policy is to kick you off. Uh, where it gets bad is Cody got very confrontational, recorded it. The um, attendant who was uh, arguing with him hid in the bathroom and he's calling him a bitch and like, look at this coward, won't even talk to me, you know. But it's like, I'm sorry, it's not the flight attendant's job to handle a physically confrontational professional fighter. Um, Cody, you're in the wrong here. There is no really two ifs and buts in it. And the fact that you're the messenger of this and you have all the anti-COVID people now backing Cody, that's one of the great ironies of the world. And um, it was just a sad incident. That and stuff you said he got he got COVID bad, too. Yeah, was, he's he had got long term really complications. Yeah, I mean, he, that that we skipped over a story, I think, from early last week, because uh, was it Kevrov? What's that one guy? Who, oh, yeah. Who Chimeo, said he was, it, we might as well talk about that, too. So Stefan brought it up um, Chimeo. Real quick. Half retired for half announced his retirement. It sounded like, but then the dictator said, "Don't worry, he's gonna re he's not gonna retire because this dude's been dealing with COVID problems for three months, and he's like, he's, he's hawking up blood." Attached? Yeah, yeah. The, the photo thing, right? attached to his thing was coughed up blood in his sink, and it's like that's bad. And I think it's mo more to the point, like what you were saying stuff. Like, I think it's been very easy to write off the whole COVID because it, it's just it's up up 
hevelled everyone's life, right? Like it's it's made it's made everyone's life different, and it's it's been frustrating. And when you look at like the survival rate, it's like, oh, well, not that many people are dying. Like, why are we so worried about this? But like, you don't hear these stories enough about professional fucking athletes who are in like the prime of their physical peak getting fucked up with this shit. And like, I think these are the stories that I wish got out more. It's like, okay, you might survive this, but your life might be fucked after this. So that's why we're trying to not spread this shit because while you may survive, a lot of people, a lot of very healthy people, a lot of people that are healthier than the four schmucks on this podcast and definitely the people listening out there, you know, this stuff can really mess you up. So like, that's why we're, everyone's being cautious. Yeah, because I remember for me, one of the things that made this super real beginning was that, uh, that uh, the Broadway actor, which I know isn't a professional athlete, but this dude was doing marathons and shit. That like he started losing, he lost his leg, and then he just oh, fucking shit. died. Uh, was it um, Nick uh, Cordero? I think his name was. Where like he was forty one years old, and this shit just tore him apart over time. Like this thing's not a joke, man. Like yeah, and that is silly. There's of, so many times for this sport. Like this, every week, there's new ways for the people for this sport to fucking make us look like make everybody look stupid for something. Yeah, like and it is funny. He's like he's yelling at a flight attendant. Is like, dude, okay, he is he is a smaller guy. Yeah. But like you're also tatted up to the fucking gills and you're a professional fighter. Like you got to know your lane a little bit and you can't be yelling at fucking stewardess. I mean, I, shit. I, I didn't bring That's it up right. when I made the face about Darren Till. Part of it was because last time I read Darren Till's name is that he got into it with the police about him not wearing a mask himself. Okay. And I'm like, God, you guys are all idiots. They're I thought you just meant he hasn't been performing no, well, which was totally valid, Bobby. They're I was going to be like, yeah, Darren Till hasn't been exciting. They're all so I get fucking one. idiots. Every one of them. Um, fucking. All right. Um, let's make our one pick for this fight card. Because the UFC's got a fight card this weekend. At, it's still at the Apex. We haven't gone to UA. We haven't moved to Texas yet. Um, Joe Rogan will be on every fight card then. Because he's already there. Um, Bilal Muhammad stepping in for the aforementioned Chimeyev, um to take on Leon Edwards. Um, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Leon Edwards just has to get a fucking fight in, man. We haven't seen Leon Edwards fight since July 2019. Man is top five. All momentum is grinded to a halt. Every bit of it. We got the champion out here calling for rematches with Jorge Masvidal seven months from now. All right? That's where we're at. Not Leon Edwards. Um, on the other hand, Bilal Muhammad, God bless him, just won, stepping in here after beating up Diego Lima over three rounds. He comes in on a four-fight winning streak. Um, overall, he's won eight of nine fights. Um, people aren't talking enough about Bilal Muhammad. Leon Edwards, on the other hand, has won eight straight fights. Um, both of them with 18 and three identical records. The betting line for this one, Stefan? Uh, Leon is a decently sizable favorite at uh, minus 260 to Bilal Muhammad's plus 220. Um, who do you think is going to win? Steph? Um, yeah, riding high off of my uh, you know good week of picks. Let's make it interesting. I'm going to go with a decent underdog here. Um, because my like dog, Joe brother. Rogan... I'm going to take uh, Muhammad at that 220 uh, underdog because, uh, like Joe Rogan, I get locked into some narratives. And my narrative on Leon Edwards is he's good. He's not that good. You know, he's a better striker than wrestlers. He's a better wrestler than strikers. You know, like, he's pretty good at things. But it's, I feel like he's always going to eventually run into someone who's just better than him at those things. I'm not certain that Bilal Muhammad is, but... He's been a prospect in his own right. So, like you said, there's a lot of ring rust. There's a lot of inactivity. Um, if Leon Edwards can bounce back, that's great for him. But I just don't really have faith in him as a top-end competitor. Um, my narrative is that Bilal Muhammad is better than people are giving him credit for, I think. I don't think people talk about Bilal Muhammad at all. Um, he gets a lot of decisions. I'm going to say this right now. This is going to decision. Um, I got Leon Edwards winning. But I think Bilal is going to take a round or two, honestly. It's a long layoff. Leon Edwards, two years basically off. Bilal's been very active. Um, but Leon's, Leon can go out there and prove some shit, man, because it's not like there's a guy we're waiting for a contender at 170. Again, they want to give a title fight to a guy who has a, who already fought the champion last year in a one-sided fight. That's where we're at. Mark, who do you got this week? Yeah, I got Edwards too. I, I think I think it's a smart 
pick Steph's making because you know what? This whole year I've been I've been going with the odds makers and I have a losing fucking record, so I'm not <laughs> picking those those good uh, underdogs here. And I think this is a good. I mean, I, I think it's really fun that they're both 18 and three, and one guy is clearly favored over the other. I mean, it's probably because he's won eight fights in a row. I think there's a lot of momentum with Leon, but like you said, a two year layoff kind of you know makes that a moot point. But I'm still going to go with him. Um, but I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be really close. I, I don't think it's a bad call to go with the underdog in this one. Very live dog, in my opinion. Mark I'm not, but I don't think it's bad. Mike, what do you think, brother? Yeah, I'm going to be going with Edwards as well. Um, whether we're sold or not on whether Leon Edwards sh- can be a title contender, this is going to be Bilal Muhammad's uh, stiffest test so far in in, in the UFC. And when it comes to the ring rust, sure, he hasn't fought in almost two years, but that's not really as a result of that he's been injured and he hasn't been able to train and develop his skills. It's just been, uh, you know, because of the circumstances that's happened over the last year um, that he hasn't been able to fight. So he should have been in the in the octagon a lot sooner. So. I don't think that ring rust is going to be a factor when it comes to this fight. And I think when it comes to the stand-up, he'll be able to have the advantage over Muhammad and he should be able to keep it standing. All righty. Yeah, that's it. Angela Hill's on this card too, hopefully. They don't put the fight doesn't get pulled again. Um, but I told you what's wrong with that Angela Hill fight, right? Angela Hill is a minus 365 favorite. Angela Hill should never be a minus three sixty five favorite. It's a fair right. point. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, um, we said we we're going to talk about this for two and a half months. We we're going to wait till the end. Uh, here it is. No, wait, did it go? I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking about Wandavision. I really ruined my intro there. We're talking about Wandavision, folks. That is all we're talking about stuff we like because you're talking to four people who liked it. Um, and we're gonna we, we we all had stuff we've enjoyed. Um, I guess um, to lead off this discussion, Stefan, I think you're you're our your main person, Marvel wise. You delve into the stuff the most we do, and most we do. I just want to I want you I want to lead off with this question because I don't know the answer to this. Has the response to the ending of this series been positive or negative among the online fan base? Because I genuinely don't know. It's been mixed, but I think it's been a tempered mixed. Um, I think when, as I about to, uh, I'm about to give my opinion, I think it's what I've been hearing the majority. You're always going to get the uh, the vocal minority, right? The ones who yell the loudest and scream for the most attention. But I think so. Where I land is is the show is incredibly good. It was very fun. They did a lot of different things, but it falls short of great. And that is where the tempered expectations come in is I have fun with the fan theories, guys. I like watching the videos about the Easter eggs. I watch the channels who make the fan theories. And while I want them to happen, I don't have so much emotional hope riding on them that if they don't, um, that I'm like mad at the show or anything. But I think what it taught me was, okay, this is a Disney Plus show. It's not the main movies. They're not going to do anything that big on the Disney plus shows. And what I'm talking about that big is we are talking about multiverse stuff. We are talking about introducing mutants and the X-Men. That's not what is going to happen on Disney plus. If that happens, that's happening in the big released in theater makes a billion dollars, cinematic movies. So it kind of sets my expectations for all these shows going forward. Um, But that said what it, so instead of what it could have been or what I wanted it to be um, and what it was, I thought it was really good. And I think most people agree. Um, you know, they, it was really weird to start. It was so different from anything. And I know there's a there's a lot of people, they just wanted it to really ride that track a bit, ride that wave a bit more, right? Really lean into the weirdness. But I think by the finale, it kind of returned to like, okay, this is kind of classic Marvel formula now. So I don't think people are, ne- most people aren't necessarily mad at that, but they're just like, okay, so this is what it's going to be. Um, like, how did you guys land on it as a series overall, I guess? I liked it quite a bit. I didn't, look at the fan theory stuff and a lot to be honest um i kind of my impression also with this was like i don't know either i don't know like scarlet witch that well you know um i mean i'll be honest i don't know any specific comic book character that well unless it's like like i've read a bunch of batman you know that's really the one i've read a bunch of old i read a bunch of spider-man beyond those two 
the comic book stuff, a lot of for me is real like surface level. And I didn't really know shit about Scarlet Witch. Um, and Vision, I didn't know anything. Um, so I kind of went into this thing a little more blind with a lot of stuff. The beginning stuff, the, the, the sitcom-y stuff, I was really digging because I, as a kid, watched a lot of Nick at Night with my mom. Um, so I would watch Dick Van Dyke show. You know, that's the thing I actually watched with her. Um, so I really dug that. You know, the, the bit ended, it started with that. As it kind of got away from that, I was actually good with it because I was like, okay, I'm, let's get going here about where this is headed. Um, I thought, I mean, if we're going to talk about, you want to talk about uh, Miss Catherine Hahn now or not, because goddamn, I still think the best part of this series was the song two episodes ago to end this episode. Um, episode seven, um, was my favorite part of this series for me personally. Um, that was incredible. So much so that we had to put aside our, we're going we're to wait till the end to talk about this. Two weeks ago when the podcast ended, I'm like, we need to talk about that song because that was my favorite thing to happen by a mile. <laughs> it, it was Bobby, but then here, here's a nitpick complaint by the next episode. I was like, well, lyrically it's incorrect. Agatha did some stuff, but it was not her all along. It was still Wanda. It was still yeah. pretty much Wanda doing everything and Agatha actually trying to figure things out herself. So that, that was a little bit of a, a little I, misdirection. She got, she got the most, it was fun, though. The most yeah. memes to come out of this was the wink from Agatha, probably, oh, yeah. followed by what was the thing Randall Park said about, like, uh, a crude explanation but technically correct or something? There was that one. What was that? One of the things that Jimmy Woo it's said. It's like an oversimplification. Oh, oversimplification. Yes, that yes. was number two. But, like, yeah, in terms of means, Catherine Hodd was number one with a bullet, man. I um, I really dug it. I thought, um, again, I thought, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Maria Rambo. Uh, I was, what was her mom's name? Was she Monica or Maria? Which one is she? I was mixed up. She was Monica. Monica. Maria, because I, I just watched Captain Marvel again, too. Um. It took me a hot minute to realize who that was when they showed up, which I'm not proud of because it was literally the same character's name. I'm like, oh, little girl from Captain Marvel. Here we go. Um, her having powers and stuff. I didn't know that was something we were going to and stuff. That was really cool. Um, and I thought the bad guy in this, um, who I got, I want to look up that actor's name. I thought he was pretty good. I, I bought him, you know, as, as, you know, as the piece of shit government guy. You need one of those in a movie like this. I thought it was, I thought he did a good job. I overall, I really enjoyed it. I mean, this is you're talking to somebody who watched Agents of Shield, um, the first couple seasons. So I mean, traditionally DC's done really good with TV shows, I thought, and Marvel not so much sometimes. This one was the best one they've done, probably. I'm not sure if I'm gonna count the Netflix. I don't know if Netflix was really them doing it or not. In fairness, um, but this is up there with any of those Netflix series, I think, personally, at least for me. I think. I think you could count it as n this is their first TV series because this is the first one with Kevin Feige at the helm. The all the Daredevil ones and Agent of Shield that was Marvel TV Studios, who was run by another dude who Kevin Feige hated. So you could basically count them as two different entities. Okay, in that case, yeah, this is they fucking knocked it out of the park. It made me excited for we got two weeks or we I guess now a week and a half or so. Till uh, Winter Soldier and uh, and Falcon, making me excited for that. I like how this all worked out well because, like, I think we're like what we're in the middle of it. We get to watch the Snyder Cut on HBO Max. That's gonna happen right in the middle of this shit. Is that how this all lined up date wise? Wait, I think I think the Snyder Cut comes out on. Is it the fifteenth? Is it? Am I wrong there? Isn't it this weekend? Is not this weekend? Whatever. That's all related to this. Go ahead, Mike. What do you think though? Let's once you go. I, I really enjoyed uh, the series. I, I think, uh, I mean, it goes without saying. Um, I really didn't understand the, the first two episodes. So I, I understood it. I didn't particularly enjoy it just because I've never really liked really old uh, sitcoms before. But I understood why they had it in there. You know, obviously, you know, within three episodes that this was all part of uh you know wanda's uh, emotional uh you know emotional state and her upbringing you know how she actually enjoyed watching um old sitcoms when she was in sokovia and that was one of the methods that her and her her brother uh the actual quicksilver learned how to how to speak english so i'm like oh wow that's like a it's a very nice uh tie-in 
Um, it's weird that a Marvel show where the first three episodes, four episodes are essentially like sitcoms, um, it gets really deep into how you process grief um, and how how you deal with it. And amazingly, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but there's been some talk of, uh, you know, next year, Elizabeth Olsen possibly being nominated for, uh, well, which one is the TV award? What's the big one? Is it Emmy? Is it an Emmy? Yeah. Uh, being nominated for, for an Emmy for this. And there's only five women who, who are nominated for that award each year. So I, I don't know what there's. Well, well, let me tell you, Mike, year, they have a, they have a separate a they have a separate thing for limited uh, series, for short-run series. She might be able to be in that thing because this isn't going to have a year-over-year thing. This doesn't, the, uh, doesn't the old blonde lady from the American Horror Stories always win that shit? Is she that old? I feel bad for Sarah Paulson. <laughs> no, 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 no. The other one. Um, I can't remember what her name is. Okay. But... I thought you were talking about Sarah Paulson. I'm like, she's not that old. I feel bad for her now. <laughs> um. Marcus, we haven't gone to you yet, man. What do you think? <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think it's my favorite live-action superhero show they've ever done. Um, it makes me think why I even like Daredevil as much as I did. Because, honestly, I, I think Daredevil is a good show. Uh, I do. When I look back on it, I just remember fucking scenes. I couldn't give a shit. I don't know what they were talking about. It's like two characters talking. Nothing's happening. They go on, and maybe Daredevil fights later. I was riveted this whole season, top to bottom, I mean, is it a flawless show? Absolutely not. Um, I think the last episode, they kind of spent more on the budget and they really didn't need to. You know, I didn't really need to see them flying around shooting fireballs at each other. I think that was kind of a a bad way to visualize like what their powers are, especially within the series. They've had Wanda do so much cooler shit about like reforming the world around her and stuff. And then to have like their final bite, like they're flying around throwing fireballs at each other. So it was just like, oh, this isn't necessary. The fight with Vision was awesome. And I think what really stood this series apart from other superhero series is that it wasn't treated like a TV show. It was treated like a movie. It had the writing that the movies had. It had the actors. And it had, I think what made it a great show is it had a really good villain. And I agree with Steph because I'm also of that fandom that I watch the episode. First thing I do after going on YouTube, show me all those Easter eggs, all the things I didn't pick up on and all the little hints that might happen. And I think that did work up the fan base into a, like a frenzy of like, Oh, they're going to talk to a scientist. It has to be Mr. Fantastic. And like, Oh, we're going to see Magneto come in. And I think, you know, they, they definitely did kind of a nod and wink with having um, the guy that did Quicksilver from the X-Men movies come in playing her brother. And I think that obviously us knowing that they're going to be going into the, the madness of the multiverse and having that kind of be like, Oh, is this a way how they're going to like melve in those other films into this universe and kind of have the whole Fox thing, you know, meld into one. I think it would have been fantastic if they were able to do that, but I think them not doing it. I don't take it against the show that much. Like I think it's like oh, a missed opportunity, but I'm not going to, you know, hamp on a show because it didn't do my wildest expectations. Like, yeah, if it was me, I would have opened up the multiverse and Magneto would have been there and Wolverine's coming in. It would have just been craziness, but this wasn't really what that show was supposed to be and what it was. I think it really nailed it. You know, I think there was hints that like, maybe there's someone else pulling the strings, but besides Agatha, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of glad they kept it a little simple. It's like, she's just the villain, you know, she's the villain. And it, it, there's not, you know, this greater mastermind. And maybe there will be some plot devices after the fact because they can always rework these things. But like, I thought she did a fantastic job being a villain. I thought it was great that she was throughout the whole series. You didn't really know where her allegiances lied. Um, and then she turned out to be bad. And I thought it was, I, I honestly thought it was really great. And I think if this is the type of quality they're putting into these shows, I'm even more excited for what else is going to come. I think, I do think WandaVision was a very special series in and of itself. It's, it's going to be very different. I think winter soldier and the Falcon is going to be much more straight laced kind of action oriented maybe some spy thriller stuff but i think this was a very different play on what they're going to do in these series and i thought they did a great job and, and like like mike um i'm not a big fan of the old sitcoms but i like that first episode i still loved because while i wasn't a fan of those shows i still love sitcoms and the tropes that they play and i just i, I gobbled the show up I, I loved every second of it i thought the acting was great and i thought you know when they needed to make these pivots from comedy to serious like personal emotion i thought they fucking nailed it i think vision 
I think Vision had one of the best lines of any media I ever saw when he talked about grief. He talked about grief is just love persevering. I was like, man, that fucking robot gets human emotion better than a lot of people do. I thought that was a fantastic line. I thought the the scene with him talking to himself was really great and how they both kind of come to terms with like what they are um, and what they aren't. Uh, and then even in the the goodbye where um, the vision's talking about like, first I was a voice without a body. Then I was a body without a consciousness. And now I'm like, I'm a consciousness without a body. Like, and who knows what I'll be next, you know? And I, I thought that was really eloquently said and written I think this show, I mean, definitely there's things they fumbled on and weren't super great, but I think it really nailed some of the, the parts where it really needed to. So I'm super excited that where they're going to go, not just with um, the Scarlet Witch, which I think is I think it's funny, too. When Daredevil came out, we were all tickling each other balls about like, oh, I can't wait until he gets that suit, baby. I hope he gets that suit at the end. And Scarlet Witch, she gets her suit, but no one gives a fuck because I think the expectations were so much higher that her coming into her own of like her being this like not really a superhero. She's she's kind of a gray area, right? Where she's like, you know, manipulating all these people and hurting them, um, but not doing it like viciously, just like subconsciously doing it. So I think they did a lot of interesting stuff I really liked. I got a question. Uh, oh. <laughs> go ahead first, sorry. Before I, get I, I just wanted to push back on that one thing. People give a fuck about the suit, Mark, because uh, I've seen so many videos pop out specifically talking about it. And I will say, I think she has the best MCU costume, like in terms of melding the comic aspect with like whatever aesthetic they're going for. It looks great. The crown, it looks great to me. I wish the crown was more the kind of magic powered, like the way they kind of showed it initially. Like I, w I wish it kind of radiated like an energy but, you know, for budget reasons, that's why it's this kind of look. But I think the uniform looks, the, the outfit looks great. I do too. I think Iron Man's got the best looking uniform, for the love of God. The oh, they pull that cool? off is goddamn amazing to me every time I see it. It's just, just moving the whole time. Crank, 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 just all the time. Shit's moving. So, it's also CGI. So the, all of it's, what the hell is her shit? You, <laughs> I think hers is actually latex. <laughs> The Hulk's got the best suit then. We're going to count the CGI, man. The whole thing is... He has ripped shorts. <laughs> ripped shorts, baby. Um, there was a line um, where... I'm getting real granular here, I guess. Where Catherine Hahn says, um, you're more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm -hmm. So she flat out calls out, you're more powerful than Doctor Strange, right? Mm -hmm. That's uh, our connection I, that we get. Didn't say, uh, didn't say you're more po powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. She said you have the potential to be more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Okay. She doesn't Either use way. the word potential at all, Mike. She says thought, the Sorcerer Supreme is more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. I don't think she says you're more powerful than Supreme. Okay, we got four people here. Which one? What, who heard potential? Who heard that he said it was just more powerful? It was a name drop. I don't think the semantics need okay. to be. Wait, is she we're the not bad dive guy? Into that. Is that where we're going here? Is she going to be the full? Is that where we're like? It sounds like we're headed. That, 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 that's been the big rumor for this whole thing is she's going to be the one who breaks open the multiverse and will kind of she'll. It seems like she'll be the villain of uh, Doctor Strange. But it, since she's also a hero, it makes sense. And this is why I think so many people were fan theorizing Mephisto is that she'll be the villain, but there will be a greater villain behind the villain type of thing where Wanda will have her moment because Wanda, she has vacillated back and forth between being good or kind of having evil tendencies. Yeah. I mean, even before this move, uh, this series, right? Like when was it civil war, right? She tried to make the explosion, not kill everyone. And she killed a bunch of people and they blamed her for it. Right. She's constantly been blamed for stuff that she's trying to do the right thing. And in this point, she's just trying to deal with her grief, but because she can't control her power, she enslaves a whole town. Like, was she the good guy in this, series not really i mean not Fair even point. really close um so I, I think i think that's that's a medium ground where she's always gonna have to train and that that plays very well into the comics right like she is part of the avengers and part of x-men and all these superhero teams she's but Magneto's daughter right yeah and she's also and kind of like magneto right like magneto sometimes he's a good guy sometimes he's a fucking bad guy and i think that, that that makes a more interesting character overall um but yeah i don't think we especially in that movie I think they'll definitely blur the lines where she's probably going to fight Doctor Strange and there's probably going to come to some reasoning together where they're like, okay, maybe, maybe don't do that or something. Mike. I checked the tape. She does say your power exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme. Okay. So we were technically we were all wrong. I just said more powerful, but it's just different words. Um, okay. I have a question about white vision. 
Is that a thing from the books? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. That's a uh, West Coast Adventures, circa the seventies. Um, basically, it they didn't do do it in the show, but it it was really hinting toward there's going to be a emergence of some point. Um, but that's you, essentially. Do you guys how it know out. this already, or did you go like this among your post show research and stuff? An honest question at that point. I did. I, um, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, you, you've seen him before, probably too, Bob. Because in one of the Avengers video games, he's White Vision, and I and I didn't know like why the fuck is he white here, and I, I didn't know what the whole backstory was. Like I'll I'll, I'll fess up. Like I did, I knew there was one, but I didn't know like the significance until I watched all the fucking videos. I knew in the in the eighties, if I'm right, late eighties, he was White Vision, and I knew that was that. I think he had like lost either all his memories or his ability mm-hmm. to, to emote. So. They kept some of those elements in this uh, in this show with white vision, but obviously it was you know done through different means. All right, and have they paid um, Homeboy to be Magneto again, or is this we don't even know where they're headed on any level? So this is what I, I wanted to tackle because it's a nitpick that I have with the series. It's it's my biggest nitpick on the series, but it also represents a relief that it'll kind of segue to your point, Bob. Um, my nitpick is. I really, and this is what I think most people are vocal about, the stunt casting of Evan Peters to be a fake Quicksilver with no payoff. Um, Because Evan Peters, he's a working actor, but he's got his segment of fans. He's very recognizable. And ultimately, what we our payoff was a boner joke. And that was just so lame. Um, And I would have thought they learned their lesson because people didn't really react kindly to the fake Mandarin in Iron Man 3. And they did it again. Uh, so that that's my big nitpick. Like, I'm not mad, mad, but it was annoying that that's what all that was. Is Evan Peters simply existed to be named Ralph Boner, and that was the last we see of him. He but exists, where he existed my, to spend a couple weeks for everybody to go nuts on the internet is what it seemed like. Is what his whole point it's was. That, it's the term is stunt casting. Yeah. You intentionally do something because you know it's going to elicit a reaction and a stirring. So in that hand, you can't get mad at fans for theorizing because you knew what you were doing by casting him to play Quicksilver. They knew what they were doing in that moment. But my relief is this: I don't want anyone from the Fox X Men movies. Uh, friggin' um, Wolverine included. I don't want them to be the MCU X-Men. None of those movies are very good. Um, Mark, it's the first thing I thought of when you talked about Daredevil and you're like, in hindsight, was it really that good? That's all the X-Men movies. I do specifically like Logan and I give that a shout out, but all our fondness for X-Men 1, all our fondness of X-Men 2 and Pyro and Iceman, watch those again. They are terrible movies by today's standards. Like Days I don't of, want uh, anyone to come back. He, he made his coke. He made his coke cold by blowing it to it, Stefan. What do you mean? That was we all cheered in a movie theater. You sitting next to me when he did that. <laughs> like I said, our standards were different. We back were just then. happy they fucking existed. The movies. That was it. Yes. We we're happy they existed. But I don't. I don't want anyone. I want new casting. You know, if you do it in this multiversal style, which is going to go on, I pay attention to a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, um, basically, it's it's expressed. We're going to see alternate versions of the Avengers. They're going to they're stunt casting the people who had auditioned for the roles but didn't quite get it. Which is going to be we're going to see Tom Cruise be a uh, Tony Stark. We're going to maybe see Emily Blunt be a uh, a Black Widow. Like these things like this are fun, but I don't want it to be the reality. Um, you mentioned the uh, uh, we would t- we you know we just the movies weren't as good as you know they are now and stuff. Our standards have changed. It reminded me of Kevin Smith talking about Batman movies early on, where he's like, he's like, you guys don't understand. I read comic books, and then all of a sudden there were comic book movies. I'll take any Batman. He says, you know, and he was talking about Batman and Robin. He's like, I'll take gay Batman, whatever. I'll take nipple suit Batman. I don't whatever Batman. I'll take him. By the way, why don't they just pay Kevin Smith to do a, sh- a post show for all these fucking things? Uh, Chris Hardwick style on Disney Plus for all these Marvel shows. Why don't they just pay? I, I, I know the uh, answer to that. He'll because he'll talk about dicks, right? He'll talk about superhero cock or something. Gets Kevin Smith. No, it's not that, but Mark used to watch them too. Whenever Marvel movies come out, Mark and I would both watch Kevin Smith's reviews, and they weren't so much reviews as they were a summary of the movie that was somehow twice as long as the movie. <laughs> That's like <true>. Kevin Smith <laughs> loves comic books so much. 
he gets on this he's endless soapbox tangent about them. <laughs> it, it, he's basically that, doing his react, but instead of watching it with you, he just tells you what happens, and then he's crying about it. And it's like it, it, he's so happy. He's there because he's he's super entertaining and it's fun. It, and just like you want to watch a react video, it's like oh, I felt those feelings. I want to see someone else that shares my joy. Kevin Smith does, but after you watch like five of them, it's like okay, I'm not really getting much insight here besides him just like regurgitating what the movie will happen in the movie, which is great. But I've out of my fill. But he's fantastic. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to say? Mike, you got anything before we put a bow on WandaVision here? Uh, I guess one small nitpick I do have, and this is more just me reading up during, you know, while the show was, it was, was, uh, occurring, reading up on Agatha and how she did have such an integral part in, uh, some of the later stories when it came to the Scarlet Witch in terms of, uh, training her and, actually being some you know some sort of a of a good guy and actually having some uh, some substantial stories where she was involved in and she kind of became a one like a, a very one dimensional villain the last episode last episode and a half where she's just you know she's just magic counterpart to to Tawanda and then is just finished off you know very very quickly uh, so that's just one little thing that uh, I had a, a small issue with when it came to to Agatha because I loved her character. Um, she just basically power, the whole time. Basically, at the end there, Stefan. Before as we call it a night here. Yeah, just to kind of end it on a positive note of the show, um, I absolutely want to give a standing ovation to Elizabeth Olsen. Um, sure, she was the lead of the show. But for someone who wasn't, she's not on the A-list level of some of the actors that we see in these movies, I truly think A Star Was Born from this show. Um, if you don't have a connection to all the sitcoms, you can appreciate that she hit every style. She hit every era of comedy. Then she hit the, the serious moments when she needed to. When we got to her childhood grief, like to borrow a term that uh, Evan Ra Rachel Wood used for uh, the uh, robots in Westworld, uh, she said she called it the acting Olympics. And that's what this season was for Elizabeth Olsen is she had to hit so many genres. She had to hit comedy. She had to hit drama. She had to hit action. And my God, she nailed all of it. Like I, you know, I believe the ratings were really good on this. Uh, Disney plus refuses to release their official numbers, but by all the accounts of those in the know that the show did really well, had massive audiences. So um, I just hope her star was born from this because I think she absolutely deserves it. And um, I think all of us can safely say we're really excited, not just what the MCU does next, but what this character does next for a character that's been in the background of a lot of these MCU movies. Um, and now a vacuum of us losing Iron Man and Captain America. I'm happy to welcome the Scarlet Witch into the forefront of whatever the next phase of Marvel is. Um, you know, like I said, I, I said it was short of great, but I loved it all the same. So I, I'm, I think all of us are very excited for what's coming next. Right on. It's almost as if she had it in her blood to be able to handle the sitcom acting. Almost. Almost as if. She just spent years just learning by osmosis, too. It's, all, it's uncanny. All right, boys and girls, we thank you very much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the WandaVision talk. Hope you enjoyed our UFC 259 breakdown. Um, we're going to be back next week. We're going to preview some sort of card. Because I, I can say that knowing there's something there. Don't know what. We'll let you guys know. Uh, we'll see if Leon Edwards gets back on track here, or we see we got ourselves a new contender at 170 pounds, because that's what we got here, a new contender or a contender, that's been a contender that's been woken up. Until then, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. Wear your mask. Get the vaccine. Stay safe. Peace out, y'all. See you. Don't fight flight again. Unless they deserve it.